This is Ion Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome back to the Ion Foxborough podcast, episode six. I'm Chris Mason, going to be joined by fellow Patriots beat writer Mark Daniels as we break down Sunday night football loss to the Dolphins that puts the Patriots at 0-2. We're going to dive into the biggest storyline of the game. Hello, offensive line. We're going to grade the quarterback, Mac Jones. We're going to pick a couple stars in the game, and we're going to find out where the Patriots go from here. But before we dive into that, got a couple promo codes for you. If you want to go to Caesars Sportsbook and use promo code MASSGET, M-A-S-S-G-E-T, you can bet $50 and get $250 in bonus bets. That's MASSGET at Caesars. And if you want to go to BetGM, BetMGM and use the promo code MASSLIVE, and if you want to go over to BetMGM and use promo code MASSLIVE, M-A-S-S-L-I-V-E, they will deposit match up to $1,000. Two Monday night games tonight, one bet that I really like, is the over- 38.5 in the Steelers and Browns. I feel like people conventionally think, you know, AFC North, it's going to just be a bruising, grinded out defensive battle. I don't see it tonight. I think the over is going to cash. So I like that play. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Ion Fox Bro podcast. I'm Chris Mason here with Mark Daniels, and we're here to break down Sunday night loss to the Miami Dolphins. Mark, how you doing, man? I'm tired, Chris. I'm tired. For those who don't know, when um a sports writer covers an eight o'clock night game, usually get home somewhere around three o'clock in the morning, and then you know you get to wake up in the morning and and do it all again. So yeah, we're we're running on fumes here at Mass Live. Yeah, I mean, I was looking for sponsors. If there's some sort of like I don't know, one of those trucker caffeine pill companies that wants to sponsor us, we could probably use some of those right about now. But I guess in the meantime, coffee and energy drinks, energy drinks will have to do it. So kind of the same script for the second week in a row here, huh? Have a chance, go down early, have a chance to come back late, and ultimately can't get the job done. What do you think was the story of this game, Mark? Patriots are really talented at giving Patriot fans hope and then ripping their hearts out at the last moment. It's like, wow, things are really going to change. It's like, you know, you're dating someone, it's not going well. You're like, they're going to change. It's going to be different next time, but it's not different next time. And you're just like, I'm an idiot. So right now with with the Patriots, it's, it's sort of, it's not great, Chris. They're starting off poor. You know, on offense, they can't run block. They can't pass block. They're turning the ball over. That digs them into – they're digging themselves into a hole, right? It's two steps forward, one or one step forward, two steps back. Patriots are down 17 nothing. you know. It's where we're in the third quarter, and you're like, man, this, this just is not going anywhere. But like in week one, Patriots get it together for a couple drives, and they show you they have the ability to be better than they were last year. They show you they're better with Bill O'Brien. Mac Jones has showed you he's a better quarterback. It doesn't matter, though, if you can't score in the red zone. It doesn't matter if you can't pass block. And at the end of the day, they can't get it done. You know, the days of these, you know, Tom Brady-led fourth-quarter comebacks in Gillette Stadium, they're over. It's it's a new era in Foxborough and one that is sort of rooted in mediocrity and just frustration. You know, they come so close, but they can't get it done. It's like you have to learn to win. And you also have to work, learn to like stop losing because right now the Patriots are very good at losing, and um, it's just it's it's sort of new here in New England. I don't know. Actually, you know, I don't know if it's new since 2019 post Brady. It's kind of been the story. They're they're very good at losing close games. 
yeah, with Brady forever, it was they just found a way to win, no matter how ridiculous it was. And now it just feels like they've found ways to lose where, you know, you have Cole Strange coming up inches short of a first down yesterday, which honestly, really heady play by Mike Jasicki there, you know, trying to make something happen. But ultimately, they did find a way to lose. I think the story of this one is the offensive line, though. I mean, they just did not play well across the board. And this isn't a, a first, like a second guess here. This was a first guess looking at the entire offseason was the tackle depth was going to be an issue. And it killed them last night. You know, I, it, it's something we've talked about all offseason. It's, it's exhausting at this point. The Patriots tackle position is not good enough. Their offensive line depth isn't good enough. It hasn't been good enough. Last year, their right tackle situation was a disaster. They tried to start Isaiah Wynn, Yadni Kajust, Marcus Cannon, Connor McDermott. It it wasn't good enough. And then they roll into the offseason, and, and their free agent signings were head-scratching. Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson were the two main guys, and they re-signed Connor McDermott. Then comes the draft. I'm like, they didn't do enough. They need to draft a tackle high. They draft a guard from Eastern Michigan named City So in the fourth round. They try to move him to tackle. Like, what, Bill, Bill Belichick, what are you doing, man? No one saw this working. In training camp, it didn't work. In the regular season, it's not working. And now you have a guy by the name of Calvin Anderson who missed every single day of camp because of an illness. And now he's starting for you, and it doesn't look like he should be starting for you. Calvin Anderson has given up five quarterback hits in a sack in two games. He he was a turnstile on Andrew Van Ginkle, who, by the way, is a backup in Miami. It, it was so poor, Chris. And, like, it, it's frustrating for me just because, like, we saw this all offseason. We saw this last year. Everyone who covers the team going to the offseason, number one priority, tackle, tackle, tackle. And they just they, – they patchworked it together. You can't do that. You know, you can say everything you want. Well, they couldn't afford Mike McGlinchey. Oh, Christian Gonzalez is great. They shouldn't have drafted the tackle in the first round. You should have done something better because what you did did not work. And that you're right, man. Right? It's that's that's the yeah. entire game right now. It's it's the offensive line. It it stinks. Yeah. So last night they gave up four sacks, eight quarterback hits, and it was honestly worse than that. Where even if you look at the last play of the game, that throw to Jasicki ends up short of the sticks because Mac has someone right in his face. He can't step into the throw, even though it's a relatively quick route. And ultimately, they can't pick up a first down to keep the game going. Beyond that, the running game was terrible last night. In the first half, they picked up 30 yards on 13 carries against an offense that, I mean, a defense that had given up 233 rushing yards in the opener to the Chargers. So it's just, it's not good enough across the board with that group right now. And the scary thing about the run game, man, is that this should be your strength of the Patriots. This should be your bread and butter, Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke Elliott. But honestly, I don't even put it on them. It's Cole Strange also, you know, you have to sort of talk about him. He wasn't good, you know, rewatching this game. You're on, uh, there was this, I want to say it was the first or second drive for the Patriots. Bradley Chubb dropped Ramondre Stevenson for a loss at two. The lane opened up when Cole Strange failed to block um, Zach Seiler in Miami. And then in the very next stat, snap, Cole Strange, he doubles Siler with David Andrews, but he doesn't pick up a linebacker, um, David Long, and he sacks Mac Jones. So it's like all these issues compound, right? You're getting stuff to the line of scrimmage, and you're giving up sacks. You know, Cole Strange, you know, he didn't he didn't practice most of the summer. Michael Weno didn't practice most of the summer. They were hurt. It stinks, but, like, all these injuries and sort of the talent level on the outside, it's, it's adding up. But you're right, man. So I, what I like to do when Mac Jones gets hit or he gets sacked, I like to hit my stopwatch. Let's see how long Mac actually has time to throw the ball. The first sack given up by Cole Strange, 
Mac was hit in 1.78 seconds. That's insane. That is crazy. In the last one that you mentioned, um, Bradley Chubb, 2.17 seconds. For people who don't know, that is not good. You need to give your quarterback somewhere between really 2.5 and 3.5. Even 2.5 is tough. If you think about it, you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and then bam, make your decision. Mac Jones' final throw was short of the sticks because he got hit by Bradley Chubb because the Patriots couldn't block him. It's, you know, we've said this before, I think even on this podcast, it doesn't matter how good Bill O'Brien is. It doesn't matter how improved Mac Jones is. If you can't block from him, this is what happens. So how would you grade his performance at the end of the day? I think we're going to start grading the quarterback every week. I like that idea. I think I give him a B plus. In rewatching this game, he really played pretty well and was dealt a brutal hand, but, you know, still found a way. Ultimately, I just knock it down to a B plus because he still lost. He couldn't couldn't convert that game winning drive. And the interception uh, when he was targeting Parker was pretty brutal all around. Bad route by Parker, bad decision by Mac, bad throw by Mac. But by and large, I thought he played really well in this game, considering what he was dealing with. Mac Jones isn't the problem. He's not the problem for the Patriots. You're right. He's he's playing right now at a solid, I think, B level. I think I, I would dock him for the interception. I might knock him down to a B, like an 85, if I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. He had he had some he's had some good throws that his receivers are not catching. There was a third down pass to Devontae Parker that sort of hit him in the chest and it got broken up because the Dolphins player had one hand in there. But you know what? It was similar later in the game where like Miles Bryant had a hand on or in Jalen Waddle. Waddle still comes down with a 35 yard catch because it's Jalen Waddle, right? And then later, Kendrick Bourne. Mac throws a beautiful deep ball to Kendrick Bourne. It looked like the Miami um cornerback got Bourne's right arm. But the pass hit Bourne in the left arm, you know? And then another beauty yeah. to Bourne and he couldn't get both feet and bounds. Now like the one where Bourne was out of bounds to like the right sideline, it was a really, really hard catch. But hey man, number one number one receivers make that throw. And like I'm not putting it on Mac Jones. Like I put the interception on him. But, like, these past two games, his receivers are not making the catches they need to make, like, the hard catches. You know, like, yeah. the, the got to have it, the yep. Jacoby Myers-type catches we used to see, and the offensive line isn't doing it for him. So, no, Mac Jones isn't the problem. He's playing at a B level. I mean, heading into these two Monday night games, Mac Jones is, like, sixth in the NFL in passing yards, which is ridiculous. But that's where he's at right now. He's a B-level quarterback. I would argue he's an above-average-level quarterback right now, and he's shown improvements. The offense isn't seeing it because it's not his fault. Yeah, Bourne not hauling in that deep ball down the left sideline um, late in the first quarter ended up being a huge play. And it looked like Eli Apple might have had his right arm a little bit, but still he could have fought through it and made the catch. And I don't think there was enough to draw a flag on it in rewatching the replays where it was like, okay, there's a little contact there. But the next play was the Pop Douglas fumble. So you want to talk about momentum just completely swinging. That's it right there. And it was, you know, sort of, you're right, a similar script of week one, right? Because, I mean, week one, it was Zeke Elliott fumbling. Week two, you got Pop Douglas fumbling. What I found interesting, too, about some of these mistakes that are happening are the players that Mac Jones is targeting in, in important moments. In week one, it was Kayshawn Booty on fourth down. Mac made a perfect throw, in my opinion. Kayshawn Booty had, Booty had like two yards to get two feet in bounds, and he didn't do it. And then he was basically benched yesterday. And then on the Pop Douglas one, it's it's third down. It's a big moment. You're you're past the 50. You're in field goal range. He hits a sixth-round pick who makes a nice play to get open. But then he fumbles. It's like, wow, in these big moments, Mac Jones is going to two sixth-round picks, two games in a row, and it's really not working out for him. Is that Mac Jones' fault? No. I, I would argue it's 
the front office's fault. You know, you had a chance to get DeAndre Hopkins and pay him. Now DeAndre's older. He's he's hurt in Tennessee. But I'd argue he makes those. And but also, you had a chance to bring back Jacoby Myers. So I think there are a lot of issues right now with the Patriots, and it's why they're 0-2, Chris. But I think if you were to play the blame game, right, do you blame the coach? Do you blame Bill Belichick? He's the guy, right? He's the man who yeah. constructed the roster. Yep. Can we Can we blame Bill for this slow start? I think we can because, you know, it's like I said earlier, a lot of these aren't second guesses. They were first guesses all summer, and there are things that are coming to fruition where tackle depth and, I mean, they could use some more at corner too, but what did you make of his decision to bench Pop Douglas after that fumble and to not admit it after the game in really weird fashion? be honest bill belichick likes to gaslight the media and and fans when situations like this it's very clear what happened pop douglas fumbled the ball it was costly and he didn't play another offensive snap because he fumbled Bill belichick's trying to tell us that oh no the plan he played on special teams what are you talking about i didn't bench him or he was only going to play in the first quarter you're telling me you go into a game and you're only going to play a rookie in the first quarter that is ridiculous that that was not the game plan pop douglas has more wiggle than anyone on offense pop douglas when he has the ball in his hands looks like Deion, Deion Lewis, he makes guys miss, and he's like 5'7". There's yep. no one else who's doing that on the roster. Your, your offense is struggling, and you're telling me you're not going to play a guy because that was the plan? No, you didn't play him because the fumble. It should be okay to say that. It should, or, or just say, like, we did what's best for the team. There's an easy out. Just lying about it, to me, it's frustrating. Because, like, hey, Bill, you're not winning championships right now. Tom Brady is not here. Some of the stuff you used to do when Tom was here behind the microphone, to me, it no longer holds water. You know, st- step step mm-hmm. up and just be honest with us about an obvious situation. Like, it makes no sense to lie about benching a guy because he's fumbled. It's stuff we've been seeing dating back to, like, Stephen Ridley in New England. It happens. You fumble, you, you get benched. Just just admit it. I mean, come on. This, the special teams thing is so weird, too, where it's like, well, he was, he was out on special teams. It's like, yeah, Malcolm Butler played a special team snap in that Super Bowl. Does that mean he wasn't benched? Like, it was right. bizarre. And I, I don't like the decision to bench Douglas after that, I think you need to stick with him. You know, obviously he realized the mistake immediately. It's not like he was carrying it like a, you know, a loaf of bread. He just didn't feel the chub bearing down on him. And ultimately, you know, he got him. He certainly got him. But I think if you're going to put these rookies in these spots, you got to deal with the growing pains because they absolutely look less explosive when he's not out there. Yeah. I mean, compared to Mario Douglas to how they're using Juju Smith-Schuster right now. Juju catches five passes for 28 yards. They were really trying to get him going in like the screen pass game. It was not working. Now, I don't blame all of it on Juju. Rewatching the game, I was actually like, you know what? I actually felt bad for Juju Smith-Schuster. He's getting screen passes when no one's blocking for him, and he's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. It's really not on him. It's the play design. But also, like, it's also on a slot receiver to get open, right? Yeah. He made made a nice catch in, like, a comeback route in the fourth quarter to set up Ramondre Stevenson's two-yard touchdown. You know, it was sort of like a scramble play, and I thought he did a nice job to get open for Mac there. But, like, he doesn't have that wiggle that, as you say, Demario Douglas has. And the Patriots' offense needs a little bit more wiggle. And, listen, it's seeing teams trade for, like, game-changing players, is it's, it's rare in the NFL. If the Patriots offense is going to get better, a couple of things need to happen, right, Chris? For me, it's like, well, you need to get healthy on the offensive line. Maybe you sign a tackle. May- Honestly, maybe it's Connor McDermott. People aren't going to want to hear that. Maybe you bring back Connor McDermott. I-, I would like Leo Collins, but he is injured. So see what happens. But also, you need to develop your rookies, right? Like, what- what's yep. the out here, Chris? How do-, how do the Patriots, like, get better all of a sudden? Like, what, what has to happen? They 
need to add depth to the offensive line. They do. The tackling on defense wasn't good enough either, but ultimately like this is just kind of what the roster is, you know, this is who they are and it's why I picked them to go eight and nine this year. Just looking at the roster from the start, there's no magic fix here. It's just, you know, they are who they are. Do you see any, do you see anything different there? The only hope, the only hope is that Michael Owenu and Cole Strange get the full strength. Trent Brown gets the full strength. And whoever you have at right tackle is, is frankly better because your offensive line is healthy. You know, like like a healthy, good Michael Owenu can help you at right tackle. And, and honestly, dude, maybe it's Riley Reef. Riley Reef could come back in week five and start at right tackle, and, and maybe he's an improvement. You are paying him the second most money a tackle on your team. Your second highest paid tackle is Riley Reef is on your IR. Now, when we saw him in training camp, he, they moved him to guard, which was very strange. And it looks like he got beat out a little bit um, by Connor McDermott. But I think you're right. They need to add a tackle, whether it's McDermott or Lyle Collins. They need to get Riley Reef back. But also, I think the hope here is a healthy offensive line opens up the run game, which makes it easier on the pass game because Mac Jones isn't throwing deep. And people are very critical of Mac in his arm strength, right? Oh, Mac has a noodle arm. It's dink and duck. And I'm like, what do you expect? They can't throw it deep right now. They don't have the talent up front in the trenches. So for me, get healthy, maybe get Reef back, maybe add Connor McDermott or Leo Collins, and just really hope hope for the best and, and hope you can get go on a run because it's one thing to start 0-2. But over these next four weeks, if you can go one and three or two and two, things look different. When you when you if you lose to the Jets this weekend, man, I think it's I think it's over and we we move into the rest of the season talking about Bill Belichick and you know what needs to happen with him. Yeah, this week in New York is a massive, massive game. Um, but just backtracking for a second, I don't really see Reef as a savior here. You know, he got beat out by Connor McDermott in camp, who they then cut. Yeah, within yep. injury designation, like IR, he he's they essentially reached an injury settlement, so he's he's cut. He's a free agent right now. They moved him to guard. He was playing late in that game, that late like that last preseason game. That's when he got hurt. So it's not like he was lighting the world on fire this summer. I don't think that he's going to come in and save the day. No, they, they have to hope for average play and maybe below average. They, what they can't have is what happened to Calvin Anderson, who gave up three hits, a sack. He was missing blocks in the run game. He just, he, he looked like a player who hasn't practiced in a month. And they were trying to help him too. Like on one of those sacks, Hunter Henry chipped Van Ginkle and he still yep. got right through there where, man, they just, it's, it's just not good enough right now. Um, if you want to take a more positive look right here, who, who's your star of the game? I am all aboard the Christian Gonzalez hype train. Chew, chew guys. It's, it's full steam ahead. Now Christian had it up, had a hard time in week one. I thought he gave up seven catches on 10 targets. He was guarding AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. That's hard. And then week, and now week two, there's no John Jones. Marcus Jones gets hurt. Jack Jones is hurt. You're out, you're without three of your top four cornerbacks. So your number one guy is a rookie. And he played phenomenal. When Tua Tagovailoa targeted Christian Gonzalez in man coverage, Tua was two of five for 21 yards with an interception. When Christian Gonzalez was covering Tyreek Hill, Tua was one of four for six yards and an interception. That's crazy, Chris. Like, like honestly, I was so impressed with him. Now, the Patriots played a lot of zone. The um, Dolphins... You know, they they took advantage of open spaces. They got guys into space with like, you know, it's a lot of pre-snap motion to the Dolphins. It's a really cool offense to watch. So they had some success. 
But really, in, in man coverage, Christian Gonzalez didn't have a hard time, which I think says a lot about who Christian Gonzalez is. I mean, Bill Belichick praised him today on WEI. He's, you know, he looks the part of a future number one cornerback already. And listen, you need it because you have Garrett Wilson coming up this weekend and then CeeDee Lamb after that. But man, I, my gold star for the Patriots goes to Christian Gonzalez. Very, very impressed with him. I thought the interception was more impressive watching it back than I realized in real time too, or in real time. It was like, it looked like Tyreek was open and then Tua just decided to chuck the ball up and it just hung for a while and was underthrown. But in rewatching the film, he made a super athletic play to bring that in. Like it was, that was a you, big time play. And they, they knew you remember him doing that to Mac Jones in training camp. I want to say it was one of the final practices. I, I think he made a, I think he made a pick like that on Mac too. Yep. He's a very, very impressive athlete. Yeah. For my start of the game, I'll go offensive side of the ball to switch things up, and I'll go Hunter Henry. I it, It's crazy how much better he looks in Bill O'Brien's offense than he did with Matt Patricia last year. You know, you could make a compelling case that he's been the Patriots' best player through two weeks. He looks really, really good, and obviously he's Mac Jones' go-to guy. Like, ultimately in the red zone, when, like, all the cards are on the table, he looks Hunter's way all the time, and... I mean, just another another really strong showing from him. So I was impressed by him. Hey, man, everyone who listened to our number, our first podcast, my uh, my breakout player of the year was Hunter Henry. And he, he was a guy who um, in training camp, the Patriots defense struggled to cover in the red zone. And the Patriots defense, as we see, they're very talented. So, yeah, Hunter is a very, very good tight end. He's he's a he's an above average tight end. I mean, he has the ability to be a top 10 tight end in the NFL. And I mean, you Tight ends are, I'll be honest, there's not a lot of great tight end depth out there, but Hunter Henry's very talented. I'm really happy to see him flourish because, as you said, last year with the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge offense, it, it was sort of ridiculous in how the Patriots couldn't take advantage of a guy like Hunter Henry, even like Kendrick Bourne, who's involved more now. It, you know, it just things went so poorly last year. So to see, you know, it'd be positive to be optimistic. Yeah, Hunter Henry looks like he's going to have a breakout year here with the Patriots. I mean, hell, I mean, he could, he could put together a Pro Bowl campaign, and you're right. Right now, he is Mac Jones, you know, number one target, you know, for, for better or worse. But in the red zone, it's for the better. My breakout guy was Pop Douglas, so we can gloss over that one for right now. <laughs> but uh, I think this episode's in the books. Thank you for listening. And we'll a uh, huge week coming up. So we'll catch you later down the trail. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live. <laughs>